Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by Berks County FC this season. The Swords are playing at Step 6 for the first time and ground share at Binfield FC. Find fixtures at BarksCountyFC.com and get down for a game. Hi everybody, uh, welcome to the Berkshire Football Stories podcast, it's our chat version uh, and this week joining me, Tom Canning, uh, Rob Davis is on holiday so I'm going to step in and host this week. Um, we've got Abby Ticehurst, our women's football correspondent and Ben Waite joins us. Ben is a uh, fanatical Reading FC women supporter, is that fair? Yeah, I've, I've followed, been following them for the last two years quite uh, quite intently. How come? Um, So my background's in covering women's football um I've got a media background I was at QPR um Millwall and now I'm I'm born in Reading I'm from Reading so now I'm back home it's obviously the local team back up playing at playing in the town um yeah why wouldn't you be following well that? It, precisely precisely I think Abby you would concur absolutely 100% <laughs> um so today's podcast is a little bit of a women's football special there's some bits and pieces we want to talk about going through not least Reading FC women's start to the season um Abby also has a brand new series on women in football which she started she's going to tell us a little bit about that and um, we're going to look at the women's FA Cup but firstly we're just going to have a little look back at the weekend and some of that men's football that occasionally we we, we sort of have to cover um it was an FA Vars weekend there were some big scores some odd scores uh and and some penalty shootouts um abby which one uh ben uh, we we sort of discussed this just before and ben uh, ben's had a little look at some of the results and we'll we'll see what we can we can get out of ben a little bit about the about the men's football but abby which one's um piqued your interest there's one clear one that uh, that was quite a stunner I mean, obviously, as a Barks County player myself, I have to big up the Barks County and just just the ten goals for them <laughs> at the weekend. <laughs> just you know, what is that like? I don't I don't even know what that average is nine nine goals a minute or whatever it is. I don't know. Something like it's ridiculous. Got my forte. <laughs> no, not neither averages. It would seem. Um, <laughs> but yeah, big big yeah. goals. There. Leslie Saki got a hat-trick, his second hat-trick in two games in the competition. Um, Ellis Woods, the joint manager, asked me not to mention that, but never mind. Um, yeah, they, so they, they did very well. Um, Woking and Embrook won on penalties, which was great. Um, that's, a, that's a couple of wins in a row now for them after a, after a, a tough start to the season. Uh, and Wallingford's result, Wallingford Town's result. Now, Ben, you might be thinking, now, Wallingford is not in Berkshire. It's not. But uh, we sort of we still cover these guys. Um, they're a nice club, uh, and in I think was it 1975, something like that. They were they were in Berkshire, and then they got cruelly stolen from us and replaced with Slough. Although there's nothing wrong with Slough. Like I feel the way I just said Slough. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Anyway, so they were four two down, came back uh, in the final minutes of the game, four all, and then won it on penalties. One, one, uh, four through and penalties against Bishops Cleave from a division higher than them. So, a couple of great results. Ascot United also won four one. Um, it was a big defeat for Woodley United. Lost six nil to Milton United. Um, and I think the the game that everybody was wondering about was the one on Sunday and why on earth it started almost two hours late. Um, Abby, you you know why it started? Well, I mean, we we know, but um, yeah. Abby, tell us tell us about tell us about um... it. I mean, through the medium of Ryan Butler of Seven Sport um, and his kind of roadside reporting, yes. shall we say. Um, 
did the did the bus break down? I think it was. Or I think it like broke that? down on the M4. It was yeah, a flywheel, so. or something. I don't know anything about mechanics of cars. Something like a flywheel broke, or something like that. Yeah, I've seen some of the videos as well. So I think they had a banner up at some some point, dancing for lifts. And there's a few videos <laughs> knocking about of the players on the on the roadside, kind of throwing some shapes. So yeah. Um, I think it was delayed. Was it four hours in the end or something? I don't know. Something. No, I think it, like it was something ridiculous that it was yeah. delayed. And then they got stuck in queues for fuel. That's and then there was there was all sorts of other stuff. So I think the game actually went ahead about four o'clock. Uh, to be honest, I don't know what the original kickoff time was. I think it was. I think it was. Uh, I don't know. Three anyway, p.m. Three p.m. It was Three very very time. late. Um, but yeah, Long Levens after all that still managed to win the game three one. So you know, I mean, good for good for them. You, you kind of feel like you've gone through all of that, at the very least, um, getting through to the next round. Although obviously that means Sandhurst are sadly out. And there was another game that that really uh, it was a last minute uh, last minute draw. This was Hungerford Town versus Slough Town in the Vanarama National League South Berkshire Derby, West versus East. Um, Slough have had a bit of a sluggish start to the season. They were 1-0 up through Tom Derry and then uh, a chap called George Smith, who I wasn't familiar with, but now have an excellent photo of him celebrating um, courtesy of photographer Jeff Ude. Um, Hungerford levelled late on and Danny Robinson said, well, that wasn't good for the heart, which I thought was a, was a marvellous uh, marvellous thing. Um, of course, they also Magnet United drew late on as well, one all at home to Grimsby Town. Um, and I think the final one just to pick up on was um, Bracknell Town's 1-0 defeat to Marlow. Um, now, taking into account curtailed seasons, um, but even so, Bracknell hadn't lost a league game since December 2019, which, you know, quite a long time ago. I was quite impressed with that. Although, obviously, as I say, they haven't played loads of games, but still, it's an impressive top-line stat um, that I think uh, any politician would be proud of. <laughs> um, so let's just move into the big talking point of the podcast today, Reading FC women and their start to the season. And Ben, I'm going to come straight to you. Um, it's three defeats in three games. Admittedly, two of those games were against uh, Arsenal and Manchester United. I've got that the right way around, haven't I? Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, other way around. Other way around. Manchester United yeah. and Arsenal. Yeah. Um, ben, I <coughs> bearing in mind they also lost to Tottenham one 0 on Sunday. Um, I'm not sure I'm worried yet. It's still early in the season. Um, looking at the table, um, you can see there's other teams in the in the same space like Everton, who they play next. They're at a stage of turning it round at the moment so it'll be an interesting one on Sunday to see what happens there what do you think is going to happen because I, I looked at the table myself and it does look like a uh, one that is going to be quite significant but it, it, is, is the pressure on yeah the pressure's on um, there was a, a person I know at the game or away at Tottenham and he said Kelly Chambers was not happy after the game so I think with the week the week build-up, they have to use that to motivate them to get something. They can't afford a fourth fourth defeat on the trot. Um, Abby, you were sort of running your fingers across your mouth. You look worried. You look like someone who is concerned. I'm. It's it's a tricky one, isn't it? As as Ben said, it's so early on in the season. I mean, the table looks quite strange right now. In all honesty, really, like Tottenham are up in second, like Aston Villa are up there, City are down in eighth. So 
like Leicester are above us as well, who are obviously newly promoted into the division. So again, I don't know if it's worried, but like things need to change ASAP essentially. So <clears throat> we just still seem to be lacking that kind of final third, that final product sort of thing. Even with Tash Dowie's kind of introduction on Sunday, it's still, yeah, it's, we're, we're still a little bit too kind of level for my liking. We need a little bit more kind of punch power within us. So yeah, as Ben said, Everton is a big game. Um, ben, it strikes me that the biggest problem is striker. Is that yeah. is that fair to say? It, 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 if if there was a fifteen goal a season striker at, at the top of the pitch for for Reading, uh, and someone may still emerge, um, things would be very different. Is that is, is there any what's wrong? Is there anything wrong in the rest of the pitch? Well, on paper, the fifteen goal a striker is there. They've brought in Natasha Dowie. But the thing in these first three games is if you look at the stats, the chances that were created last year just haven't been created. They've they've had three shots on target in these three games. So even if you have a striker up there with nothing behind being created, you can't do anything. So um, that's definitely the worry now is behind. Obviously, we've up Rachel Rowe, top scorer from last season, last weekend. It just looked like there was a gap in the middle when it comes to creating. And then maybe a little worry, but not, not too much at the moment is the bonding of the defence. It's a brand new defence. And obviously I've seen Man United and Arsenal who are very good attacking teams. But at the moment, the defence just looks like it loses concentration too easy. There's chances in those games where it seems like there's an off switch been flipped and it just needs to keep keep concentration um, Abby, I was to just to be taking Ben's point there about the defence. A number of these players play regularly for Wales. Is is that something that should kind of should should that be a problem really? So that, I think I've already mentioned it in the group chat this week, haven't I? It kind of confuses me slightly that there's the kind of lack of cohesion. It feels like in the kind of squad, despite the fact that kind of half the starting 11 play internationally together and obviously like they've had some decent results recently so it's weird that it's not then reflected back into kind of club level so I don't, I don't know if maybe that's to do with Kelly Chambers playing style or whatever it is doesn't perhaps match the kind of Welsh playing style but as a manager I think I'm I don't know why I'm saying this but as a manager I would be looking to see kind of the playing style that comes from the Welsh squad and kind of be trying to implement it in that kind of club um, the club games because obviously it's kind of working for them and you do see when you see them kind of on international break the kind of they are a big kind of family and they're such a cohesive kind of setup um, as a team that we kind of seem to be lacking that slightly at the moment at the club level so yeah I think that's definitely something that needs to be considered. Something I thought was interesting this week was uh, Tash Harding, uh, the captain. Uh, there was a tweet come out from at Reading FC Women. Um, captain's call time for pride. It feels a bit early in the season to have to be having to to call for for pride from your teammates. That that does worry me a little bit. That that would be a concern that that already um, there's perhaps. And, and I don't know. I don't know how much of a difference having a bit of pride makes. I'd have thought just just some effort and and getting hold of the ball would be would be. Uh, you know a, a good way to do it but it, that that concerns me a little bit I would say that, that they're having to to put calls out like that already is that just something to placate the fans do you think or or is it is it deeper than that uh, Ben? I think they just look a bit lost on the pitch obviously you you always get new signings in together but the way they're bonding it just it just doesn't seem to be working on the pitch um fair play they know each other off the pitch but like Abby said it just doesn't seem like they know where to be or who takes control when they're actually playing in the games. 
Um, yeah, Abby, just from from the games, what what changes do you think you would like to see? Uh, I know I saw that D- Dina Rose. D- sorry, if I pronounced that correctly, is it Dina or Diana? Yeah. Um, uh, she she came in um, and you had Emma Harry's up front as well. What what are there any changes you would like to see? Um, I mean, I think she's kind of she's played down the right wing, sort of, hasn't she? When she's kind of played so far, I think I don't. She seemed to be pivotal in Canada's kind of attacks as well when she came kind of came off the bench during the Olympics, and obviously that's reflected in the fact that they won it. So. I don't, she feels like she needs to be more of a playmaker amongst the squad, possibly. Um, Again, it just, it just seems to be a kind of a lack of cohesion across the sort of the whole kind of formation, really. So I don't, yeah. It's a tricky one. <laughs> I was I was listening to the game on Sunday, and, and she actually had she had a really great chance, didn't she, Ben? And that and that could really have turned it around. Do you, does it feel like they just need one to go in, and it could all just avalanche? Is it, would, would that be would that be fair, Ben? Yeah, I think it's just a confidence boost needed. Once they've got that confidence that they can compete in the league with this team that they've got at the moment things should start to click. But at the moment, you just struggle to see where it's going to come from. Um, so I, I guess I, that's the question to ask both of you, I think, is um, so Everton, that's that's quite a crucial game now this weekend. Do you think, uh, Ben, they'll be able to, to put in the performance that will get the points? I think the Everton game, I think Everton will be a bit too strong for them, if I'm honest. The way I've seen them play, they'll need something special against them. Everton have got world-class players. Um, they've invested a lot recently so I think they will be too strong but and then you've got the week after you've got three important games in the week that all on paper should be winnable you're actually looking even further ahead than this weekend yeah. um Abby would that is that would you agree yeah absolutely I think do you know what like this we'll give it a good go against Everton and actually we kind of played sort of cat and mouse with them last season didn't we but as Ben's mentioned they've made some world-class signings but there does seem to be a little bit of kind of a fracas amongst the kind of um, Everton camp at the moment and I think there's a few fans who aren't on aren't particularly happy there's I've seen a few things about are we going to see Willie Kirk get the sack possibly so yeah I just it's uh, going to be an interesting game, definitely. I think we do need to definitely be all guns blazing from the moment the whistle kicks off. And as Ben says, got important games coming up. We've got kind of it's Villa, then it's Conti Cup against Bristol and then Birmingham. They should all be games that we win. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's a bit early on in the kind of the season to be kind of putting us putting us down already and stuff like that. But we are kind of looking at kind of, I don't want to say we're looking at relegation battle and scraps like that, but if we continue on the kind of trajectory we're currently on, it's very possible that we could be there at the bottom, which is absolutely not where we obviously want to be. Just pulling this right back from from Reading at the moment, looking at the league as a whole, there was an interesting conversation on Twitter this week about the size of the divisions. Um, And obviously in the FAWSL, it's one down at the moment. Um, and it's I'm not sure what the what the promotion and relegation in the in the championship is. Obviously, it's one up, but I'm not sure how many go down from that. Yeah. Um, is 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 bigger divisions kind of the answer at the moment? Is that is that something you would like to see? I I for me personally, I, I think you may end up with a few more hammerings because you you'd have you'd bring through a bunch of 
I would done that weaker teams is not the right phrase, but teams that aren't at the level of Manchester City, Arsenal, and you may well see a few more. But obviously, that would mean a little bit more promotion and relegation, perhaps. But it would also mean more matches, which I think for for women's football at the moment is important. And as Abby regularly goes on about and and, and points out quite rightly, um, it would mean more games that aren't two p.m. on a Sunday. Um, Ben, would you, is, is that something you'd like to see, or, or what would be your what's your kind of vision for for going forward? Yeah, teams need more matches. Um, when I was with Millwall, uh, Lee Birch was the manager. He went on to manage Yeovil in the WSL. But the thing he always said was, there's so many weeks where when they haven't got international players in their squads, they're just sat around doing nothing, <laughs> and they they need the games. But and then, like you said, the investment it's it's the investment that it all focuses around. If you're going to send teams up that can't invest, um, the owners aren't willing to invest in the team, you're going to have your situations where you're going to see batterings and that's not what you want. You don't want to bring someone up just for extra games, just to see them get beaten heavily each week. Um, Abby, you're obviously a keen proponent of playing women's football other than in the the specific 2 p.m. on a Sunday slot um how what would what would you like to what would you like to happen to enable that to happen aside from just changing it (laughs) how how would you change it um I am very for um kind of increasing the division sizes I think do you know what actually you're going to have to deal with those batterings if you bring more clubs up to be honest because that's the only way the the game's going to grow and I also think the idea that we only have this one up one down really limits the national league sides as well because there are some fantastic national league sides right now and they're just being limited by the fact that we do have this one up one down Um, I'm trying to think of some teams Brighouse for example they're a fantastic setup and Northampton Town as well. They're a really great setup as well, but they are limited by the fact that there is this one up, one down thing. So I would like to see that division kind of development and having more teams because just, just having 12 just yet, yeah, it just seems very limiting, I think. So even if it was just to go to 14, possibly, or the two up, two down, I just, yeah, I think that would just drive the competitiveness. So actually you could deal with the fact that we are maybe going to see a few batterings to begin with, but actually you need that to increase the competitiveness and to up the professionalism of teams and stuff like that. Because then potentially what you're going to see then is teams go, oh, okay, well, we've got this opportunity. So maybe we do need to invest more. I think kind of you've got to take that kind of the limiting factor of maybe we will see some big score lines in order to drive the women's game on. Thanks. And anything you wanted to add, Ben? No, it, it will. The, the, the league needs to improve numbers wise. Definitely. I'd be for adding two two teams at the moment, but I can't see. I don't think they'll go straight in and add lots of teams. Like they won't go and combine like the top two divisions. It just won't work. So you won't go straight to your twenty teams like you see mm. in the Premier League. It it will have to be a gradual process, a bit like what they're doing with the Premiership Rugby, where they're adding a team that has proven themselves in that second tier. But yeah, and if you're going to do that, you have to increase the the two down two up. Um, right, let's uh, let's just move on from Reading. Actually, sorry, just before we do that, and um, Ben, I just wanted to ask. I saw a tweet uh, of yours actually earlier in the week about um, your your quite sort of. Uh, I was going to say sort of. Uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you, you, a bit a bit of a bit of a throwback in time to the way that you measure the stats for. Um, <laughs> For, for Reading FC women, not a spreadsheet in sight. It was all pen and paper. What was that? Is that does it get transferred later to a giant database? Well, it just stays in my pad. So when I'm at the games, it's literally front page of my pad. 
I've got all their all the stats from how they've played this oh. season. So don't need to wait for anything to load up. Literally whip it out of the bag. First page, there it is. That's uh, that was fun. I loved I love seeing it. It took me back to my childhood where I would make various different stats graphs and just make up stats for for various different things, which was always always great fun. I do remember once trying to uh, mark when all the goals, the different times of goals went in for for Bracknell Town during a season, and then eventually it took so long I just got bored and stopped. But it was quite interesting to to see for a little while that they scored quite a lot of goals on the hour mark. I don't know what that meant and how you would turn that into to anything but yeah i just i quite liked the the throwback to uh, to what you were doing there that was uh, that was quite lovely um okay so um abby just moving on to your brand new series uh women in football um it's a series that's going to be going out every wednesday um obviously we're recording this on wednesday today and there's not one out yet have you finally come out of the piece so that i can edit it <laughs> yes i have you can go and edit it i'm really great there's Thank three you. pieces for you to publish oh. at. Uh, it's a bonanza. Fantastic. Um, so t- tell me a little bit about the series. Why are you doing it and, and who is in it? Yes. So um, I started a new series. It's called Off the Pitch. Um, essentially, I just, obviously, we want to promote women's football as much as we can. But actually, it's not always just about the people who are there kind of for that 90 minutes on a Sunday. I'm keen to tell the story of the women who are involved in our wonderful local football clubs but are not on the pitch essentially so those kind of in the background are volunteers kind of the people who volunteers often get forgotten about don't they so it's just a chance to kind of showcase who who these brilliant volunteers are essentially so I kicked things off last week with um, Sue from Slough Town she is the club shop manager and she's also part of the um, supporters trust board as well. She's kind of, uh, I think I called her a stalwart of Slough essentially. So if you go to Slough, you will without a doubt encounter Sue at some point. She's kind of here, there and everywhere. And yeah, she's just a kind of familiar face when you go to Slough essentially. Um, this week I've spoken to Yvonne Matos from um, Burfield. She is another stalwart of the club as well. She's kind of I think she's been there for 20, I don't even know how many years it is now, nearly as many years as I've been alive, I think. Um, yeah, she's kind of another person who's sort of done a bit of here, there and everywhere at the club. I think I said she wore, she's worn lots of hats at the club, essentially. So she sort of just started off um, taking over as one of the kind of under sevens coaches, I think it was. And she kind of has gone through the years kind of with with that club and that, that that team and stuff like that and now they're all kind of grown grown ups and they're all at the club as in some kind of other capacity um so yeah it's essentially just kind of telling the stories of the kind of women who are involved in our local local clubs who aren't on the pitch essentially um i've got some referees lined up excellent um i think i'm going to speak it's uh, all of the kind of jobs you can think of off the pitch is who i'm going to speak to really um, and if any, if, if there are any recommendations for people Abby should speak to, um, Abby, how can they get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you can get in contact with me on the Football in Berkshire website or you can drop me a DM on Twitter is probably the best place. Um, yeah, that's kind of the pieces of contact for me, essentially. Fantastic. Um, ben, have you, had a, have you had a look at a couple of Abby's pieces at all? Well, I haven't had a look yet, but it sounds very interesting. Um, like you said, volunteers are, are so important to where the women's game is now what's um what's the volunteer levels like at, at reading women i it's not something I, I i mean i know they're a professional outfit but there must be volunteers off the pitch as well is that is that fair 
I have no idea. I saw they <laughs> I say that I saw they offered internships at a local university, I think, at the la- during the last year at Wickham. But um I I haven't come across anything myself. Fair enough. Um, I have just lost the uh, order of service. Um, hang on a second. <laughs> this is awkward. Do you want to talk about Women's FA Cup next time? Yes, uh, that's exactly what I want to talk about. Um, <laughs> it's a big weekend in the Women's FA Cup. Um, Caversham United are back in action, Abby. Um, yeah, Ascot United are in action. What's going on? Yes. So, I mean, I've, I've, I'm have i going to have a lovely little little moan just because it's not really a podcast if I don't have a moan, is it really? No, not really. I haven't um, made fun of you either yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's surprising as well. No, only because I'm just still a little bit like in a bit of a strop about the fact that this kind of regionalised idea means that actually all of our sides end up playing each other. So it just feels like another league game, really. Obviously, it kind of takes away the kind of excitement of the cup, really, then. But we're, we're they're in action so there we are um so as you mentioned kind of ascot are in so ascot are at home to tilehurst panthers um Edley and california face caversham united women and i've actually got a piece coming out um with manager sports from all five of our kind of in action clubs look out for the Edley and california answers there's a little juicy one in there actually um and then the last fixture is woodley are away to milton united excellent um that's it for the women's fa cup then i guess that's saturday that's sunday isn't it sunday afternoon yep sunday 2 p.m excellent ah all women's football at 2 p.m on a sunday it's uh it's really good um the fifth and final point on our any on our uh order of service was any questions from the audience i'm not aware of any questions from the audience so um ben do you have any questions and you are now the audience yes i am the audience um (laughs) What do you think about the FA Cup overrunning from last year? Obviously, this this weekend starts the FA Cup for next for this season, while last season's still going on. Um, obviously, all the FA Cup focus. You type in women's FA Cup on Google, it comes up with the fixtures for tonight or Wednesday. Um, do you think this is going to stunt the growth of the women's FA Cup? Hmm, good question. I don't I don't think so. No, I think this we just have to deal with it. Essentially, this is just kind of off the back of the pandemic, really, isn't it? So it's just something that we're going to have to sort of deal with. And kind of once we've got this, this like last season's kind of out the way, shall we say, I don't want to say out the way, but once we've kind of had that kind of kind of over and done with it all sort of re kind of kind of figure itself out again won't it I also like the fact that actually the reason why they delayed it is because they're kind of a little it's a little nod to kind of 100 years since the ban isn't it really so we've got the the finals coming up on the 5th of December and that's kind of 50 years since um, they lifted the FA kind of affiliated ban so yeah I actually quite like that idea really and yeah as I said I think it will just reset itself essentially in the end just just with my nerdy hat on thinking of SEO for women's FA Cup um probably having those games with uh, I think Manchester City are playing tonight and so there'll be a lot of search traffic on on things like Google for women's FA Cup at the moment and possibly a mildly good thing for the for the teams that are starting out in this season's FA Cup because they'll be they'll be coming up in searches alongside Manchester City and and the other clubs that are so it just just in that tiny tiny perspective maybe it's a good thing (laughs) No, maybe yeah I think as well uh, kind of a few people have been sort of kicking off as well about the fact that the Chelsea game tonight is 
um, at the same time as the men's game as well. But actually, with your SEO hat on, then maybe that's a good thing because people are looking at Chelsea and the women might come up too and you might get a few extra clicks on that. So, yeah. Um, I'm not one to necessarily go negatively, but um, Ben, is there something that absolutely infuriates you about the women's game that you'd like to see rectified or or changed or stopped? Obviously, it's it's always the old case of people not respecting that if you're supporting, if you support a club, you support the club as a whole. Like for me, I support Reading. I follow the men's team. I follow the under 23s. I follow the women's game. It's the fact that you can't diss it just because it's your club. You support your club. You don't just support the men's team. You support them as a whole. So for me, that is the thing that annoys me the most. And I guess, I mean, what kind of gave you this enlightened view of the world? Because you're right, but many, many people would disagree with you. I think it's just... It's, it's the pride of what you support. Um, obviously, I've had an insight from in the club. Um, you meet some fantastic people at the women's game. It's the atmosphere. It's such a friendly family atmosphere. Like you go to some of the men's game and people do feel scared. You do feel a bit worried at times, but I've never had that at the women's game. It's always everyone's accepting everything. Everything pulls together. And do you, can I, sorry, can I just jump in? Do you think where we see the kind of the growth and the development and the professionalism continue within the women's game that we will start to lose that potentially? Because obviously right now you can go and watch Arsenal play and you can have a chat with Miedemar afterwards and probably get a photo taken. You're never going to get that if you go and watch Arsenal men, are you? Do you think we're potentially going to lose that in the future as the kind of women's game grows and kind of professionalises even more so? I hope not. I went to the em- the game at the Emirates, Arsenal v Chelsea, start of the season. And what annoyed me there is the amount of security they had. They were treating it as if it was a, a full house, full game. And it did sort of take that, that family atmosphere that we have at the women's games off of it. But I think the room is there. It just needs to be built in and understood together. So say they wanted to take the Borehamwood atmosphere to the Emirates, just involve those people at Borehamwood and sort of make it as a, a smooth integration between the two rather than two separate entities together. Um, the sort of the very nature of, of the fact that we're actually doing this podcast and focused a lot on Reading FC women would, would suggest that, um, you know, the, the game is moving along. But I think it was, I think it was Lucy Bronze who said when, um, when people are sort of complimenting and criticising women's footballers in the same way they do men's footballers, not from a sexist perspective, just from a, oh, they did that well or aren't aren't they useless, then that's perhaps when the women's game's made it. Would you you agree with that? Sorry, Ben. (laughs) Me, me. sorry. Um, it's, It's always a hard one. It's like a lot of these opinions come from people who've never watched the game. They just, they're just so stuck on that stereotype that they're just getting dragged along with it. I think if they actually went to the games, um, experienced the atmosphere, watched the football, they'd have a different mindset. And I, and I guess this one kind of to both of you, Abby, I'll just start with you. But do, do you think that the Medeski Stadium where for Reading FC women is the right thing? 
yeah absolutely playing their games yeah because i mean i, I wrote the article on it didn't i about why you, you should be playing at the majeski and it's that's it's just that kind of one club one philosophy thing i think unfortunately what happened is that they introduced the idea that all home games would be there in the season where we happened to end up in a pandemic mm. so obviously that's kind of stunted the maybe kind of the trickle of having fans in there and obviously we had that one single game where they were allowed in and then we went back to not being allowed in 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 stadiums again so I guess we were at a disadvantage by kind of introducing it then but equally that Reading have kind of led the way by do you know what we're one club so we're actually we're going to play at the the men's stadium so the the men are going to play here the under 23s are going to play here and we're going to play here so I actually I think yeah we've kind of set the tone for and obviously you've seen that kind of Leicester are going to be playing a few of their games um and City's the other one isn't it yeah exactly so we've kind of kind of set the tone there that actually no we have absolutely every right to be playing at the same stadium as the rest of the team in the club so yeah I think it is the right place but as Ben says you just need to market it in the right way and it needs to be the the way you kind of kind of set it up and yeah just giving the opportunity for people to go and see 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 their team play in in their home stadium absolutely um I think that is the we I think we're done is anybody get anything else they wanted to add um can I just plug this weekend's fixtures you can do yes so obviously we've got FA Cup, as I said, so Ascot versus Tilehurst and Eversley, California versus Caversham, and then Milton versus United, uh, Woodley United, sorry. Obviously we've got Reading playing against Everton um, and then Maidenhead are also at home to Swindon. Um, there'll be a good game between Mortimer and Wargrave in Division 1 of Thames Valley. Um, Wargrave are kind of sitting in third right now as well. So Mortimer have had a little bit of a kind of um, a mixed, well, actually, not even a mixed bag. Like they've been kind of catapulted from Division Three South into uh, Division One, and I mean, it's 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 showing that they've come from two divisions below, essentially, shall we say there? But still worth a game, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Division Two, there's a really exciting game going on there, actually. So Slough are away to Kidlington. Um, Slough currently sit top of the table, kind of four and four games one, and they're yeah they're just on a real. They're they're again a team who have been promoted from the division below them. Um, Kidlington also sit second, so it's kind of first versus second. So that'd be a, a really exciting game. Um, as always, Division Three South is our kind of most saturated division, so there's lots of Berkshire games happening there. Um, and then I think Slough versus Hollyport in Division Three East as well. And then there's a few kind of most of our Berkshire teams in the development division are away. But yeah, we're we're doing pretty well kind of as a sort of collective Berkshire kind of setup. So um Tilehurst are kind of first in Division One. As I said, Slough are kind of first in Division Two. Um in Division Three South, there's always obviously going to probably be a Berkshire team on top, but it's very tight at the top right now. And actually between the top three, it's based purely on um goal difference right now. So um that is, I think it's Eversley, Caversham, and then S4K um, uh, in top three there. Um, so, yeah, it's really a really exciting kind of time for Berkshire football, definitely for the women. Um, and lots of Berkshire teams just going from strength to strength this season. I think it's the most competitive season um, for women's football in, in Berkshire and actually just generally, really. So, yeah, it's really exciting. Excellent. Just uh, just to finish off, Ben, as a diehard Reading fan, have you seen James Harper is still playing football? I've seen he's just moved back again, hasn't he? One yes. game at Ascot and off to uh, Windsor, was it? Or was other it the way around, other way around. Other yeah. way around. One game for Windsor against Ascot. Against and then... Ascot. And then now he's up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, there are... There are rumours as to why this may have been um, I'm not aware of what these are um, but uh, I'm sure I will 
be furnished with that information at some point and then keep it wholly to myself. <laughs> but yes, uh, great to see him playing. He has hair, um, which is really? very surprising for uh, for anybody who watched him in his heyday playing for Reading. So um, thank you guys for joining us. Ben Waite, thank you very much for joining us. Where can people find you on an information about you or get in touch with you? Uh, yeah, all my DMs are open on Twitter. Um, my name backwards is my uh, is my username. Oh, so. I wonder. I didn't realise that. I was wondering what it was. I thought it was French, but there we go. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, Abby, where can people find out about you? Oh, all the usual places on Twitter as well. Um, you can also follow the Women's Football in Berkshire Twitter as well. There's lots of great content on there as always. Um, get in touch with me on Football in Berkshire as well. You can come and find me on the author page and see all of the Berkshire goodness I've been writing recently. Cheers, guys. Thanks very much. Um, that was the Berkshire Football Stories podcast, and we'll be back next week. Berkshire Football Stories is sponsored by Berks County FC this season. The Swords are playing at Step 6 for the first time and ground share at Binfield FC. Find fixtures at barkscountyfc.com and get down for a game.